0: uh, wave your hand, I think we have some in the back there, and uh, believe it or not, we are going to try to cover a whole eight verses tonight, Uh, I'm not promising you we will do this, but I am going to try, and uh, we are starting in verse 25, Daleth, if you uh, want the Hebrew name of the Hebrew letter, for which this set of eight, the fourth set of verses, the fourth letter in the Hebrew alphabet, and again, unless you speak uh, Hebrew and, and understand all of the uh, intricacies of the Hebrew language, a lot of these things uh, that the poet does with the words are going to be kind of lost. How many of you remember your first time reading American poetry if you spoke another language as your mother tongue? Uh, the first time you read it, you said, what is this gibberish? And then all of a sudden you learned the key to American poetry until uh, about the 1920s uh, was that the words are supposed to rhyme. Uh, after that, I, uh, I don't know what the point of most of this modern poetry is. Uh, Brother John told me, he said, you got to see this new one. It says, I... Dreamed a dream and woke up and I was a large insect. That's supposed to be poetry. Um, They put it on the bus, so that makes it poetry. And I I saw it in the subway, and I'm going, wow, it's senseless. Um, But what is going on here is uh, we're going to skip the Hebrew words, number one, because I don't know them, number two, because no one else here does, uh, and so we're not going to worry about the, um, the Hebrew words so much as we are. The point of Hebrew poetry is the contrasting, the bouncing of ideas, the rhyming, let's say, of ideas. And here we start a whole new section, and in verse 25, let's just read it. It says, My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Quicken thou me according to thy word. I have declared my ways, and thou heardest me. Teach me thy statutes. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. So shall I talk of thy wondrous works. My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according unto thy word. Remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. I will run, in the, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Now, we look at this verse, and the first thing that ought to grab your attention is there is a great change in direction of this set of eight verses compared to the ones uh, before. Uh, we start out with verse 1, blessed are the undefiled in the way, and this is very good. Verse 9, we see the young man, he is setting his way. Verse 17, uh, we team that that set of eight verses a, as saying... Uh, Listen, I want to stay in the way. And there is no such thing as an easy way to serve God. Serving God always requires much. In fact, it requires more than you can give. That's why God has to give us his spirit to live in us. And we see that struggle reflected back and forth and we get down to verse 25 and he says, my soul cleaveth unto the dust. Now that word cleave, and, and I didn't put this in, in your outline, but uh, it says, uh, we um, one of the most familiar verses using this word, it says, uh, therefore shall a man leave his mother and father and cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Uh, you know, if, if you get married, there ought to be that desire to be with that person, to hold on to that person you marry. Here, the psalmist uses the same word. He says, but I'm cleaving to the dust. He says, it's not just me, it's my soul. He says, I'm laying in the dirt. I'm Face down, I cannot get up. My soul is forcing me to be in this position. We often talk about. Sometimes we use the phraseology in English. You got to get down to where you can't do anything but look up. And uh, God uh, is using the terminology here. He's he's saying my soul. Just like a man loves his new wife, he says, "My soul loves the dust." I'm face down now. He starts off the theme of this psalm. The goal of this entire psalm is to be that undefiled in the way. He is still in the way, but he's not moving. He is. Uh, I call Brother Nielsen every once in a while and and uh, talk to him and you know, hi, how are you doing, and, and different things, and he'll say, I am upright and ventilating. <laughs> well, the psalmist is not upright. He's still breathing. But he is flat on his face. And here's his answer. Quicken thou me according to thy word. If I'm going to live, It's going to be according to thy word. There are things that are going to happen to you in life that are just going to knock you down. I mean, we could go to Paul, 2 Corinthians. He said, I'm pressed in on every side. He said, we despaired even of life. And what he means by that, he said, listen, even if I survived, there was no hope in even living. That's how bad things were in the life of Paul. That's a very similar situation that is being described here by the psalmist. And we'll just make this connection. We go back to verse 23. Princes also did sit and speak against me. Verse 22, remove from me reproach and contempt. Now, most people believe that David was the writer of this psalm, and there was a lot of things that went on in David's life early on. Here here we have David. He's out keeping the sheep. He begins writing his psalms and communing with God. And all of a sudden, he's called into the palace of the king to play for the king. Talk about honor. Talk about being raised. And then comes the battle, and he's sent home. And Saul and all the men, including three of David's brothers, go out to fight the war. And guess who shows up? Well, David's father sent him to check on his brothers. Well, David did a little more than check on his brothers. He did a little checking with Goliath. And Goliath checked out. Amen? I mean, Goliath was dead. And David was now exalted. And in a matter of months, he became the king's son-in-law. He became the chief of staff of the the armies of Israel, as maybe a man that wasn't even 20 years old, more than likely. And before long, he was now being hunted by his own father-in-law. He was being lied about by his wife. Remember what she told her dad when the soldiers came? said, why didn't you tell me he had escaped? He said, well, he told me if I didn't let him go, he would kill me. Now, is that what happened? Absolutely not. She was the one that told him, if you don't get out of here before the sun comes up, you're dead. But when she was pressed, she blamed the whole thing on David. And we'll see. My, if you want to study in sadness, study the life of Michael, David's first wife, the daughter of Saul. It was it's a sad story. And here David is saying, My soul cleaves unto the dust, but if I'm going to live, I'm going to be quickened according to thy word. Now we all know the verse, Hebrews chapter 4. The word of God is what? Quick. That word quick does not mean fast. It means alive. And he's saying, make me alive according to thy word. He says, the only way I want to live is in obedience to your word. That is the only way you're going to obey God's word with your life. If you wait to make that decision, when trouble comes, guess what? You're going to fold. You've got to make the decision before the trouble comes. If you don't, you won't. How many teenagers say, well, I want to be pure. I want to be married when I'm pure. But they don't make that decision. It's just something that's kind of out there. Opportunity arises and they lose one of the most precious gifts that God has given. The decision has to be made before, not during the test. And the psalmist here is saying, listen, I I know where I am. I am face down. I am not standing up. I am not moving forward. I cannot move forward. But Lord, will you quicken me? And we'll skip ahead to the end here. Now look at verse 32. It doesn't end in despair. He says, I will run the way of thy commandments He said, not only am I going to walk in that way, he says, I'm going to run in that way, but God's going to have to enlarge my heart in order for me to get it. Now, don't get caught up in the despair. I think one of the reasons why people love the book of Psalms is because they read those sad verses and they go, oh, that's me. I'm having so many problems. That is not why God put the book of Psalms there so you could identify with the psalmist. Uh, I dare say there's no one of us in this room that went through what David went through if this was talking about his life. Not even close, my friend. But David is not depressed. But he's honest enough to say, I just had the feet kicked out from under me. How many of you have ever, I mean, physically, just had someone knock your feet out from under you? I mean, you just fell down. We'd have uh, our church that I grew up in, they would rent a skating rink every once in a while, and people would skate, and I knew these two guys. And they would come up on either side as you were skating in Charlie Horse. Each leg. and I mean, you just went down like somebody pulled the air out of the balloon. And they'd come back again and wave and smile. I hope you had a nice fall. See you next trip. Um, they got thrown out, but uh, that's what happened here. He says, I'm down. He said, and my soul's Kissing the dirt. It's just nice to be still for a moment. But I'm not staying there. I'm going to be running in the way. I'm not only going to be moved. That's where I'm going, but I got to get there first. Now, this second verse, he says, I have declared my ways, and thou hurtest me. Now that almost sounds the opposite of everything that the psalmist has been talking about here as he says, listen, teach me, teach me, teach me. He's saying, and he's going to finish this verse by saying, teach me thy statutes. He said, I have declared my ways. He said, listen, God, I've told you and you know everything in my life. I've talked to you about it. Sometimes we treat God like he doesn't know what we're doing. The psalmist is not saying that. He said, listen, I know you know everything, but God, I'm going to tell you everything that is going on in my life. When one of my children have problems with a math problem, they'll come up and I'll say, go look it up in the book. And they'll go look it up in the book and they'll say, Daddy, I still don't understand. Well, I'll go see Anita then. No. Um, I say, you bring the book here and show me what you did. Because until you know what they're doing wrong, you can't correct it now, can you? And here's what the psalmist is saying. He said, I've declared unto you, God, I've told you everything I'm doing and you heard me. How does how do we know that God hears our prayers? Because the Bible tells us, number one, amen. And if we are doing what the Bible says, can we know that God hears our prayers? This is the confidence that is being expressed. He's saying, listen, I'm down. I am face down. I am not moving. I am liking this being still thing right now. It's just kind of nice. I'm trying to catch my breath. He said, but God, I've told you everything that's in my life, and I'm still flat on my face. What I know from your word. And if this is the life of David there were few men that knew the bible as well as David did. He says I know your word but I don't have the answer yet. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get James Dobson's new book and I'll find the answer, right? I'll get somebody else's book every you know and we have a little bookstore back there. I would like to have a bookstore for the church and only have one book in the bookstore. Because this is where all the answers are. Amen? This is what the psalmist is saying. Listen, I know the Bible. And how many times, and I, and I, and I just want us to identify here, uh, there are many of us that are not new Christians. We've been through this thing. We've been down the way a little while. Something comes up and what do you say? I wish you knew what to do. Well, where are you going to learn what to do? Teach me thy statutes. Even though the the psalmist is flat on his face, he's saying, God, if you're going to quicken me, if I'm going to live, it's going to be according to thy word. I don't want to live any other way. I'm going to let your word define life. I've told you what I'm doing. I've declared you've heard me because I know what I'm doing with my life is what you want me to do. But I don't have the answer yet. Only one place to go. Back to the word. Teach me more. Verse 27 picks up right where that one ends off. Make me to understand the way of thy precepts. Now look at verse 32. He says, I will run the way of thy precepts. Here he says, make me to understand the way of thy precepts. He says, I want to know where I'm going. I want to know how your law is going to affect the decisions that I make today I want to see your law get me back up off my face and get me moving in the way again because I am down right now. I am, I am under, in the next verse, he says, my soul melteth. He said, I'm just like a piece of butter in a frying pan. You ever see what happens? You put the butter in there and it just goes to liquid. He said, my soul, he said, just poured out like water. He said, I melted it, but I want God's understanding. He said, and when it's all over, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. He said, "God, I can see this thing, may you make me understand. The answers are in your statutes. You make me understand the way of thy precepts, and when this is all over, I'm going to tell people all the wonderful things that you've done. But right now, my soul is melted. I can't get up. I am broken. He says, my soul melteth for heaviness. You ever had burdens of this life that just were like the fires of a furnace that just you just felt like you couldn't even move? He said, I, I'm, I've been melted. He said, I can't move and, and I can't get forward. I can't go back. I'm lying on my face, there is no strength, I can't move. He said, I'm melting for heaviness. Strengthen thou me, how? According unto thy word. Now we skipped over this passage and I want us to go to Daniel chapter 10. This is such an incredible illustration of exactly what is being spoken of here, and some people believe that Daniel wrote Psalm one nineteen, and that would be an interesting study in and of itself. But Daniel had a meeting here, and uh, let's let's just get the whole thing, verse seven. It says, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Now, Read verse 17 with me. And how can the servant of this my Lord talk this with my Lord? Talk with this my Lord. For as for me, straightway there remaineth no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me. Look at verse 19 and said, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened, and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Daniel had a meeting here with the Lord Jesus Christ. When he saw him, he said, there was no strength left in me. He fell on his face. It said, and as he spoke, God picked him up and put him on all fours. Then he stood him up and there he is standing. He said, I can't speak. He said, I, don't, I can't even take in a breath. And he said, peace be unto thee, be strong. He spoke. He said, I was strengthened when he spoke unto me. That's what the psalmist is talking about here. He said, "My soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me according to thy word. Quicken me, give me life. Let this book called the Bible define what life really is." I'll tell you, I never will forget that November. 1999. No, 1998, we owed our second payment. We only needed 200,000 dollars, and we were only 150,000 dollars short. I'll tell you what. My wife worried, but I, I wasn't moved where, I couldn't move. Where was I going to go? You talk about being crushed. We were about to lose everything. I knew God was going to do something. He just hadn't told me what that something was. It is so nice to tell you the story now, because I will speak of his wondrous works, because he touched the heart of one man who sent us one check, sent me a little email and said, checks in the mail, hope it helps. The check was for $150,000, and it did help. It helped in more ways than one. And I love to tell the story, but I'll tell you what. I didn't like living it. I did not like living it. I am so glad I'm on this end of that story. But you know, we can get gun shy, is what we call it. That's what happens to a hunting dog. You take him out and... You're training them to hunt the rabbits, and all of a sudden he hears, BANG! And where's the dog? <coughs> Hiding in the thicket with the rabbits. That's not the way the hunting dog's supposed to work. I had a little dog, and she was great until she heard the gun go off the first time. Boy, she'd chase those Rabbits until she saw the gun. Then she just stayed right there, right beside me. She wouldn't hunt a rabbit to save her life. A lot of Christians get that way. They get scared that God is going to punish you or hurt you somehow. God is not in the hurting business unless it is to make you better equipped to serve Him. Can we trust God with this thing called Suffering. This is what the psalmist is saying. He said, listen, my soul cleaveth unto dust. Quicken thou me according unto thy word. He said, my soul is melted. It it melteth within me. He said, there's nothing left. I can't breathe. I can't walk. I'm in great distress. But you strengthen me according to thy word. Would we let God's word define What is good and what is not good in our lives. What we will be excited about. That's why he said, my delight. What was his delight? Thy testimonies. They're my delight. They're my counselors. I'm being spoken against by men who possess the power to destroy me. The princes were sitting. They were speaking against me. You know, that was true in the life of Daniel, was it not? The princes sat there and they spoke against him. They said, and Daniel knew that they were plotting. And finally, they figured out the only way we're going to get Daniel is if we make it against the law to serve his God. And they got him, didn't they? I wonder what it must have felt like to be lowered into that den of lions. The smells, the noise. How many of you have ever gotten close enough to look one of those animals in the eye through the bars of a cage? I hope. It'll still scare the living daylights out of you. And yet, here he was, there were no bars. But God delivered him, did he not? Verse 29. He says, remove from me the way of lying and grant me thy law graciously. Now, we read this and we just say, yeah, that's what I want. I want God's law graciously. Well, wait a minute. Why is he saying remove from me the way of lying? He's saying protect me, Lord. How many times in David's life had he been lied about? His own son, Absalom, lied to every person that came for judgment, saying, the king didn't send anybody to, be, to, to take care of your matters. The court's closed today. And the king was just right around the corner sitting there. But Absalom was turning them all away. And there are many times in David's life, King Saul lied about him, said that he's lying in wait, he's trying to kill me. Wasn't that way at all. It was Saul that was the one that wanted to do the killing, not David. Over and over again, he's just saying, remove from me the way of lying, protect me from the lies. Now, where were the lies coming from? Well, if we just take this psalm, Together we go back again to verse 23. The princes were there. We go to verse 22. There was reproach and contempt. There were lies that were being told. And David says, protect me. He said, give me enough of thy law that I can solve this problem. When is the last time when some great decision, some great turmoil came up in your life? That you said, God, give me enough of your law. Give me enough of the Ten Commandments to solve this problem. That's not normally where we go. We want to go to those sad verses. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. Lord, that's me. I'm broke just like the psalmist is. Hear my problem. And the Lord tries to quicken us according to his word. We say... Well, that's not the way I want to solve this problem, Lord. Wrong. (laughs) The only way you can solve it is God's word. He's saying, grant me thy law graciously. That idea of graciousness is having an abundance. But what does he want abundantly? He's not saying, God, grant me a gracious bank account that I can pay all my debts and be living... Problem free. Wrong. That's not what he wants. He says, I want thy law. I want enough of thy law. I want enough of your words to solve my problems. We'll get down to the end of this psalm, and he'll tell us, Perfect peace have they that love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Right now, he hasn't gotten there yet. Because his soul's melted. He's laying flat on his face. He says, but God, I want to have enough of your law to solve this problem. Then we come to these last two ver- to the next two verses, verse 30 and 31. And they're going to, to, again, just be coupled together as they take these ideas and repeat them again. He says, I've chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. O Lord, put me not to shame. He said, I'm, I'm doing right, but I'm still suffering. Job said that I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. He says, thy judgments have I laid before me. In verse three, chapter 3, verse 26, he said, I was doing everything right. I wasn't trying to protect myself. I wasn't in safety, but trouble still came. Sometimes God sends trouble into our lives for reasons that are only known to him. You know what? God does not have to answer you. If we learn anything about the book of Job, it's simply this. Let God be God. Just allow God to do what he wants to do. It is not my place to question God. This is what we talk about when we talk about blind faith. I have a totally blind faith in the character of God. Why? Well, it's not really blind. Look at the beautiful creation that he's given us. Doesn't that tell us how good he is? He sends rain upon the just and the unjust. Doesn't that tell us how good God is? He that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. But ye have need of patience, after that ye have Done the will of God that you might receive the reward. He said, I'm doing right, but I'm still suffering. Lord, I've chosen the right path. I've chosen the way of truth. I've laid thy judgments before me. He said, Everything about my life is in your word. Now, he says here, I have stuck unto thy testimonies. It is the same Hebrew word as my soul cleaveth, cleaveth, that gripping, that hugging the dust, that, that being stuck is the same Hebrew word. It uses two English words to give us different ideas or the different aspects or different dimensions of the word that's being used. Now, we're re-veneering the piano over here. We're using contact cement. How many of you have ever used contact cement? You know why they call it contact cement? Because you can't rearrange it. Once contact is made, normally you tear things apart to separate it and have to start all over again. Uh, We did manage to separate one and reposition it just a little bit, but I'll tell you what, it's... It's stuck, and once that glue is dried, that piano, this is the second time we veneered it. Uh, We didn't veneer it the first time. It was when they built it at the company. They take the wood, and they bend it all into shape, and then they glue real wood over top of it, so it looks nice. That got all scratched up, so we're gluing another layer of real wood. The first layer is stuck so well that you can't get it off. You just glued to the next one. And this is, the word stuck, I mean, it means to mean solidly adhered to. He said, Lord, I've stuck to thy testimonies. Now, how many of us could give God that testimony if he called our lives into account? Lord, I am glued. How many of you have ever played with crazy glue? You can get in a lot of trouble with the tube of crazy glue. In fact, every so often they have to take people into the hospital and uh, surgically unattach what was attached with crazy glue. You can actually glue your fingers together to where you cannot get them apart. Don't try that at home. But how many of us can say, I'm stuck to God's word. I have walked in the ways that God has sent me. He says, oh Lord, put me not to shame. He says, and remember this idea of being ashamed. We went through this several verses back. When David talked about shame and being ashamed, he talked about defeat and possible death. He says, Lord, I'm holding on to your words and I feel like I'm going to die. I know what the end is going to be. Next verse, I'm going to run in thy way. I'm going to run in the way of thy precepts. He says, but right now the issue is still in serious doubt as far as my eyes can see because things are not going well in my life. But I am going to stick to your, your word. I have stuck unto thy testimonies. I have gotten here by obeying your word. How many times can you say, and I want you to really take this one home and think about it. How many times can you say when you're in distress, when things are not going well, Lord, I've gotten here by being obedient to your word. Most often times it's not that way now, is it? Most often times, Lord, I messed up. I know I shouldn't have done that. I disobeyed your word. Please forgive my sin and get me out of this mess. The Lord's not always going to answer that prayer. But let me tell you something. When you get into distress... Because of your obedience to God's word, you can have the confidence to know that God puts you there and God's going to pull you through. There is no substitute for that in your life. When you get into a mess and you deserve to be into a mess, what does our heart tell us? I'm here, I did it, I shouldn't have done it. Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Get me out of this problem that I have created and and God will hear us. He does forgive our sins. Sometimes the scars run deep. But that's not where the psalmist is. Saying, I have adhered God's laws to my soul and I'm still melted I'm still laying on my feet but I know where I'm going to be I just don't know when he gets to verse 30 here he says I'm gonna get up and run I'm not only gonna walk I'm gonna run and he doesn't say I'm going to run in the way of thy commandments he says I'm going to run the way of thy commandments. He says, I'm going to run the way. Blessed are the undefiled in the way. He says, I'm not only going to be in the way, he says, the way is going to be me. It's going to be part of my life. I am going to run the way that you want me to. When my feet go down, they're going to be down in obedience to your word. When that next foot goes down, it's going to be down in obedience to your word. Every step I take is going to be in obedience to thy word. And not only am I going to get up, I am going to run, but here's what I need, Lord. I need a bigger heart. It says, when thou shalt enlarge my heart. And we talk about people with big hearts, don't we? Usually what we mean is somebody with a big wallet. And they're willing to share a little bit of that. And we say, oh, that is such a wonderful... They have such a heart for what's going on. And we praise the Lord for that. But it says, wait a minute, he says, when thou shalt enlarge, not somebody else's heart to bail me out, when thou shalt enlarge my heart to get up and get moving. Now, I understand, medically speaking having a big heart, having an enlarged heart is not a good thing. But spiritually speaking, the bigger your heart is, the more control of it God has. Amen? He said, this is the answer. He said, I just need a bigger heart. I need God to be more in control of who I am. That's why he keeps constantly, I'm going to teach me thy statutes. Quicken me according to thy word. Strengthen me according unto thy word. Because I'm going to run in that way when thou shalt enlarge my heart. And that is not just wishful thinking. This is a statement of what is going to happen. Now, how did he know that was going to happen? And by the way, we could take the life of Job. We could take the life of David. We could take the life of Daniel. We could take any of the candidates uh, that have been proposed to be the author of this psalm. And God did enlarge each one of their hearts. And they did get up from that valley of despair. And they did run in the way that God had planned for them. Amen. Amen. Aren't you glad you can see God's answer in his word? And this is, these verses, don't get caught up in the despair. Get caught up in the answer for the despair. It's so easy when you grow weary. It's so easy when you get your feet kicked out from under you spiritually. It's so easy when you get knocked down to get Wrapped up in your despair. You don't go forward. You don't keep moving through this thing. God is there to give us life. But he's only going to give us life. According to his word. In him was light. And the light was the life of men. When we're in despair, what do we call it? We call it being dark. Well, what's the answer for the dark? Well, turn on the lights, amen? When we're worn out, when we can't get up, if we're going to get life, it's got to come from God. And if it's going to come from God, it's going to come through His Word. And that's why it's so important. How many of you are keeping up with your daily Bible reading schedule? Maybe shouldn't ask you to raise your hands on that, but... Let's work on that thing. You say, I can't keep up with it. Well, get started. Go home tonight. You say, I've already had church tonight. How much word of God can I stand in one day? Oh, you better watch out. You say, how do you know I was thinking that? Oh, because I think that too sometimes. That's what our human nature does, isn't it? You can't ever have too much of this book. But the desire for this book doesn't come naturally. That's why he says, teach me over and over and over again. We all like the idea of that last verse. Don't you like that? Running in the way. I am going places. I'm getting things done. Most of us wouldn't volunteer, and there'd be something wrong with you if you did, for verse 25. My soul cleaveth unto the dust. My soul melteth for heaviness. We don't want to be there. But God puts us there so that we'll get His Word and get up under His strength and move in the way according to His Word. And all God's people said. See, we got through all eight verses in one night. Can you believe that? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before You and we ask that You would take Your Word and minister to our hearts and to our lives. Lord, we ask that You would allow us to get up and run in that way if we've been knocked down. Lord, we ask that we would not allow ourselves to be consumed with our own emotions and despair, but we would allow ourselves to be consumed with the answers that are in your word. Let us seek the scriptures, let us find those answers, and let us live them to your honor and to your glory. Lord, as we have this time of prayer, we pray that each one here would surrender and resurrender their lives to you and to your word. Lord, we pray that if there's one here in need of salvation, that today would be the day that they would surrender their lives to you. Or at least that this time, would be a step closer to that surrender. It is in your name we pray. Amen.